From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with a simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Carlos Kajina is the technical producer, and Ryan White is our live stream producer. And yes, we are live streaming on my YouTube channel tonight, Strange Planet. And uh, be sure to hit that red sub button. We are inching closer and closer to 25,000 subscribers. And uh, we'll set off the, uh, I guess, the confetti cannon once we get there. Well, maybe Ryan can set off the confetti cannon at his place. It's a little cramped in here in my, uh, my studio beneath the stairs. A quick programming note. Coming up next week on the show, God willing, uh, Terry James will be here. Terry is the general editor of Lawless, End Times War Against the Spirit of Antichrist. It's an intensely focused volume that answers questions about what's really going on in these uh, volatile and inexplicably strange times that we are living in. What does it all mean? Why is there such a divide? Why such anger and hatred? And people want to know uh, the answers, and uh, Terry will come on and explain that the answer is spiritual and that it's all right there in Bible prophecy. The tumult altogether constitutes a major indicator of how near we are to the end of this age. That's Terry James next week on the program talking about the Antichrist. All right, time slips have been reported throughout history. English women vacationing in France in 1901 claimed they stepped into the French Revolution and two English couples traveling in Spain in the 1970s, stayed at an oddly archaic hotel that was simply gone on the return journey. In his new book, Vaughn Braskler provides a comprehensive examination of sudden, accidental time slips shifting from ordinary reality into the past or future. He shares detailed accounts from people who've experienced time slips, including his own experiences, as well as the practices of shamans, yoga masters, and samadhi mystics who once who use trance-like meditative states to travel outside normal space and time. Vaughn also offers step-by-step exercises to prepare you to experience time shifts to help set them up and to enhance the experience when you've slipped through time. He also examines criticisms of and scientific support for this phenomenon, debunking claims that time slips are delusions or remembrances of past lives, and showing that they may be related to energy vortices, black holes, or astral travel. Vaughn is a writer on the subjects of time, human consciousness, and energy healing. He's lectured and led workshops throughout the U.S. and the U.K. and served as a faculty member at Omega Institute for Holistic Studies in Rhinebeck, New York. He's a former newspaper and magazine editor. He writes and leads workshops in the areas of consciousness and development. His titles of published works include Confessions of a Reluctant Ghost Hunter, Seven Secrets of Time Travel, Perfect Timing, Mastering Time Perception for Personal Excellence, Conversations with a Dream Mentor, A Magical Journal, and his latest, Time Shifts, Experiences of Slipping into the Past and Future. Hey, Vaughn, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. I can't believe we haven't talked before. This is like one of my 
if not my favorite topics, certainly one of my favorite topics, time travel, by location. My favorite topic, too, Richard. How did it all begin for you? Well, I started having these kind of strange slips at an early age, I think 12, 13, and they just kept on continuing. And I thought maybe I was uh, unusual, and then I started hearing of other people. You know, the thing is, uh, probably a lot more people experience accidental time slips than actually we realize or they realize because people will just say, well, you know, I just had some strange vision or, you know, I was daydreaming or it was just uh, a little bit of um, afternoon imagination on my part. They come out of it very disoriented. They don't know how to rationalize it. It's outside their frame of normal um, reality. They've never heard of anyone else doing this, and so they just ignore it, ignore it like my mother did. And she, she, when I was a little taught before I ever had one, my mother told me that she had one. But, I mean, you, you could tell that to your five-year-old child, but you could hardly tell it to somebody who is your neighbor. And I think that a lot of us go through this all the time, not all the time, but very often it happens. And I noticed that there was a certain pattern to it. And while we can't say there is really clinical study or evidence of this, I can't prove something like this, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence. And when you start looking at the, uh, the classical stories, or as I did, start interviewing people and collecting stories, you see a pattern to it. Right. And I mentioned the um, probably one of the most cited historical examples of time slips and this is a woman visits versailles in 1901 and uh, well just sort of set that story up for us give us kind of the reader's digest version of what happens to her it's a classic because the the two women first of all it didn't happen to one person it happened to two women they were both college professors the one of them uh, charlotte moberly she actually was the uh, the uh, president of one of the colleges of Oxford University. And in 1901, she and her colleague, Eleanor Jordan, visited the Palace of Versailles in the gardens there, except there were very few people there. And then when they got there, they found the Grand Trianon garden was closed. So they entered the Petit Trianon, and they, they, they weren't at all prepared for what they saw. They walked into the gardens, and they saw people dressed in elaborate costumes. One woman seemed to be sketching a picture of the gardens, and it seemed strangely out of time, and they they couldn't make any sense of it. So, you know, they had no one there to talk to. They were practically alone at the time. And this often happens. You're all alone, and and it'll happen late in the day, and you, uh, you get yourself into a certain consciousness state, and boom, you're there. And then you're, out, you're not there. Well, th- these two ladies, these university ladies, they, they returned several times, but they never saw the people dressed in elaborate costumes or the woman sketching or any of this before. Um, they were dressed in old costumes. So they kept talking about this, you know, and they published their strange encounters in a 1911 book called An Adventure. You can still find it, An Adventure. And the British Society for Psychical Research investigated their reports. And they 
found that there was a lot to what they saw. They found that, in fact, in the time of the French Revolution, a French poet named Robert Montague uh, would routinely organize elaborate costume parties there in the little garden. And they found that the woman who would like to sit out during these situations would be none other than Marie Antoinette. She was the woman sketching. So the woman they had described fit all of the the uh, historical records. There was also something she she noted a bridge which was no longer there and uh, later later discovered um, through some old maps of the property that there was in fact a map there or a bridge there. That that's absolutely absolutely right, Richard. They uh, they found going through records that there was uh, a, a map, an old map that showed the bridge was once there, the bridge that they had described. So everything that they saw actually did exist at one time, but at a much earlier, earlier time. You mentioned your early encounter with a time slip, and this is in uh, Everett, Washington. You're uh, a young lad, and uh, instead of going to school one day, they take you out strawberry picking. Yeah, and, uh, strawberry picking. Yeah. And, and so, I, listen, I didn't uh, make any money strawberry picking, but I liked right on that bus. And because I always walked to school, I never rode on the bus. And I would go down to the river where we were allowed to go during lunch. And I would spend the whole day either eating strawberries or swimming. And I'd wait for the for the uh, the, the horn, and I'd get on the bus and go home. It was just a vacation for me. Terrible, terrible uh, strawberry picker. But I got very <laughs> sick one day, and I didn't realize it, but I was having an appendicitis attack. And... Um, you know, I'd never heard of anything like that. I didn't know what it was, but I felt like I was going to die. I felt like I had to get out of there immediately. And uh, I asked the bus driver, no. I asked the uh, the boss of the field, no. I have to wait, for, like everyone else, for the bus to leave. And I looked at the railroad tracks that we'd cross every day um, coming into the field. And I thought, you know, I can just walk on these railroad tracks. Now, mind you, I'm like 20-some miles away from my home. And I thought, well, I'll just walk in these railroad tracks. And my mind wasn't working very well, but it seemed to me that if I just walked on the tracks, I would eventually get to my house. Now, I didn't know where the train went or anything. I mean, just this stupid kid. So I'm thinking, well, I'll get on the tracks. And, and yeah, that sounds right, because I think that the train tracks stop right in front of my home. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. And it didn't make any sense. My friend said, no, 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 don't go. So I started to walk, and I remember I turned around, I waved to them, and then I turned around and continued walking, and boom, I was home. That's that. Just like that. Instantaneously. And I'm, I'm right in front of my house, and I go inside, and I open the door. There's no one home. And I um, flop on a bed, and uh, my mother comes home, and she said, how are you? And she said, sick. She said, well, I'll give you some (laughs) 7-Up. The next morning, I said, I'm really sick. So they call the doctor, and they bring me there. My appendix had burst. Oh, Lord. But here's the funny thing. The next year, I'm playing in the backyard. Now, I I just tune out this whole episode. It's like, you know, it's just some strange, strange dream I had or something. But it occurs to me, as I look across our fence at the front of the house, the train tracks did not stop in front of my house. In fact, they didn't stop anywhere near my house. They stopped at 
one end of the town and the other end of the town, and in the middle where I lived, there were no train tracks. How did this happen? This makes no right. sense. Right, and because you supposedly years. followed the tracks right to your door. Yeah, it was instantaneously, boom, I took one step, and, and that's what you should, I call it a sidestep in time. You take one step, and boom, you're there. And, you know, sometimes you come back, and sometimes you stay there. So, you know, as Einstein said, space and time are linked. So if I move in space, I move in time. If I move in time, I move in space. So anyway, a couple of years later, we did move slightly north of there, from Everett, Washington, and lo and behold, the train track stopped right in front of my house. So I was like remembering some, I was, it was almost precognition. I was like scooping into the future to remember this. The whole thing was very, very strange. And, and, and they just continued later in my life as well. Right, up in uh, uh, Sandy, Oregon, I guess it was. And you uh, were running a small community newspaper. You yeah. went for a stroll one day down the main street, and it happened again. What happened? I was walking down the main street. It was a small town. Suddenly, I was at the end of town. And I didn't, hadn't remembered walking through the town. I remembered kind of like drifting through this strange tableau of images of, of high wooden walkways. And then I would step down into the intersection like a time when maybe it was like a pioneer town with muddy streets and a different kind of boardwalk and old, old buildings. And suddenly, and it was like a dream, you know. And then suddenly the dream was ended. I was at the end of town. And, and how I got there without getting run over, just walking aimlessly like that, it was a strange encounter. And, and they just well, continued. Well, so strange that you actually... You thought about getting yeah. some medical help. You thought I, you were losing your mind, right? You're right, Richard. I, I checked myself into the community hospital, and um, and I went through uh, two days of various tests. And they couldn't find a thing wrong with me. And then it occurred to me that if, if there was nothing wrong with me medically, I had actually encountered these things. They were really happening. It was just so outside normal, ordinary time and space and what I would consider ordinary reality that I couldn't make any sense of it. And uh, I never told anybody about this until I started writing these time books. And this is the fourth one, and I keep continuing the adventure. You know, when I, I did the, the first three time books, I would get on radio shows, and people would often want to ask me about time slips. And I said, well, yeah, I've had a lot of time slips. So, you know, not everybody's going to jump into a time machine or a DeLorean and go back to the future. What we do is just we accidentally take one step and the whole room changes. And then a couple of minutes later, you're back to where you were. I mean, these accidental time slips, I think, happen to a lot of people. And we, we mark them up to daydreams or visions or imagination. But they happen. Well, that sense of being on an autopilot, you mentioned that when you sort of came, snapped back into the present timeline, you had made your way across town and had no knowledge of how you got there. That's happened to me, where I have driven 
from my home here in Thornhill all the way to the radio station, which is about a 40-minute drive, and I will suddenly arrive at the security gate and realize, and it, I almost have a panic attack because I realize I have no memory of how I got there. And I thought, how did I manage to navigate my way down the Don Valley Parkway across yep. Lakeshore uh, Drive without getting into a car accident? Exactly. Is that a time slip? That's a time slip. You know, and I had that experience driving through Montana, and it's like I had no gas. And, and I said, well, you know, I have to get through quickly, and it's like, boom, I was through. What I've learned is that you can actually control your perception of time to the degree where you can actually make time, like, stretch or shorten it. And it's kind of handy because sometimes I have in these deadlines where I have to do, like, a lot of work, and, I, and I'm calculating hundreds of hours, but I only have 12 and it's fine. I mean, it's really fine. So, I mean, Einstein once was questioned about how people seem to experience time differently on a personal level. You know, he said it was all relative to where you were and, and how you experienced it, how you perceived it. And he said, well, like it's like this. A man sitting on a hot stove certainly experiences time differently than a man looking at some, someone like Marilyn Monroe. I thought, yeah, that brings it all to home. Right, because sometimes right. time seems very quickly, and sometimes it moves very slowly. And what's different is your perception. So then I began to realize that a lot of people, like Sumati mystics and yoga masters and bodhisattvas and native shamans who do dream walking, they seem to put themselves into an altered state of consciousness, and then they experience time shifts purposely. Well, we're approaching a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about what this says about the nature of reality and what is time exactly. Vaughn Brashler, my guest, and his new book is Time Shifts, Experiences of Slipping into the Past and Future. And I would be very interested in hearing from any listeners out there who have experienced a time shift. Sometimes when we talk about UFOs and alien abductions, people talk about missing time. That may or may not be what we're discussing here. I'm not sure. Vaughn will uh, answer that when we come back. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Vaughn Brashler is here, a writer on the subject of time, uh, human consciousness, energy healing, and his uh, brand new book, Time Shifts, Experiences of Slipping into the Past and Future. And before we get into this discussion about the nature of reality and time, I want to just share another quick one. And this caused an absolute, well, it went viral when someone found a clip from an old Charlie Chaplin movie back from 1928, and they posted a clip on YouTube. There's a scene of a woman who's, I believe, coming out of a movie theater. Again, this is a clip from Charlie Chaplin's 1928 movie, The Circus. And she appears to be talking into a cell phone. Again, this is 1928. Uh, And, of course, it caused quite a stir and people were debating, well, maybe it's not a cell phone. Maybe it was a hearing aid. And some people were speculating that this woman was, in fact, a time traveler. And you include this in the book. Give me your thoughts on this very famous incident. 
Well, that's one that's often brought up because a lot of people witnessed it. You know, there's been various attempts to explain what it was, that maybe it wasn't a phone. Very often people who seem to be time travelers, they'll show up with devices that seem oddly out of place from the past to the future. This is certainly an example. She's walking around, and everybody's seeing this, you know, and she has this thing, this, this contraption she's holding up to her, her ear, this little device. And, well, people had never heard anything like this. I mean, consider the time, 1928. And there were a lot of people there. You know, it was a big launch for the movie, a debut night. And, and, and people tried to figure out what she was doing. She also seemed oddly dressed. You know, she seemed to be involved in a conversation. She was talking quietly as though to herself as she held this to her to her head. And they couldn't figure out what it was. It's like she was going through some kind of a conversation, talking into some little device. And they couldn't think of anything that could possibly be. Back in 1928, the idea of, of, of having a, a phone like that, a remote phone, walking around with it, was preposterous. Has there ever been a prosaic, a reasonable prosaic explanation in your mind that explains what happened, what that was all about? I think that it's possible that she was from the future (laughs) and she was walking, she wanted to go to a Charlie Chaplin opening because, like, that would be very cool, right? I mean, think of things that you'd like to go back and see because they were happenings, you know, they were great. And you got a cell phone. But, I mean, who, who is she talking to? You know, I mean, who is she talking to? Is she talking to people in 2010 or, 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 or what? I mean, who would she be talking to in 1928 at the other end of that phone? Right. And then you question, who was the time traveler? Was she time traveling or were the people around her, in fact, time I, traveling? I would think that she was. And I would just suggest, I certainly don't know a whole lot about the story, I've read about it. It's a famous story. I think that maybe she was trying to talk to somebody back in her own time period and probably not having a lot of luck. And she was probably trying to ask, where the heck am I? Why is everybody strange? I mean, if you walk down the, the street now with a cell phone and you saw something strange, you'd probably call somebody up and say, you ever seen this before? I mean, you, you'd want someone to talk. And I think she's right, trying to right. talk to somebody. Well, the thing is, when we think generally about time travel, and we think of H.G. Wells and a time machine, and yeah. a conscious, deliberate effort to travel in time, whereas in this case, the case of the, uh, the woman at Versailles in 1901, your time slips, these are unintended, spontaneous events. Yeah. So... What what do you think is happening here? I think that I, I looked at a pattern to all of these, and I came up with a, a few observations. They seem to happen in the late summer or, or fall. <laughs> it just seemed hmm. to me that they did. They seem to happen in the late afternoon or at dusk, approximately. And they seem to always happen when somebody goes through a personal state of consciousness shift, a shift in personal consciousness. It often happens when somebody's very quiet, they'll be out walking. Often they're very alone. There's nobody around. 
and they get in this altered state, and boom, like the shaman, like the yogi master, they're somewhere else momentarily. Now, uh, how physically are they there? That, that's, to me, always the interesting thing that I, I can never quite grasp. Sometimes they seem to be physically there. You know, other times they seem to be like the shape of a person who's there. But what I also notice in, in these patterns is very, very rarely are they able to interact with people. Very often the people around them can't talk to them or they can't talk to the people. Very often they have trouble hearing the other people. You know, it's almost like they're a witness, you know, walking through somebody else's reality. It, 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 it's often like the, the three scouts that were orienteering in uh, um, Suffolk, England. You know, they were looking to try to find the village of Kersey, only... They were there in the 1950s, and they walked into a village that looked like it was in 1350, uh, a village that had gone through the Black Plague, and nothing moved, you know. The birds didn't move. The ducks were frozen in the pond. Uh, the trees didn't move. Um, well, while it was Like they were looking at a painting. Like they were looking yeah, at a painting. painting. Yeah, it's a painting. And the leaves, they noticed that, that there was no shadow. The wind stopped as soon as they came in. They heard a church bell when they first came in, and then nothing. They found no church. They found no bell. When they first came in, there was, like, smoke from a chimney. But then they looked for more smoke, and there was no chimney. There was no motion, no people, no birds, no sound, nothing. No uh, furniture in the houses, houses all painted crudely, white, whitewashed. Green. Like a Potemkin village. Yes, and they realized in describing what they saw in some detail, they it, it came to light upon research by the Society for Psychical Research again that the boys had walked into an Anglo-Saxon village probably in the 14th century, as it had just all perished from the Black Plague. They walked by a butcher shop. They described it in detail, and they checked the records, and that butcher shop dated back to 1350, but it ceased to exist whatsoever in 1790. So there's just all kinds of strange things where things don't seem quite right. It's like you're a witness into another time, but you're not an interactive witness. So in, there's a chapter in the book where you try and um, debunk some of the – debunk the debunkers, if you will. Uh, they yeah. all offer up possible explanations, more prosaic explanations yeah. like delusions, confusion, yeah. highly suggestible imagination, memories of past lives, psychic precognition of the future, dreaming, creative imagination. Why are you convinced yeah. it isn't any of those things? Well, I mean, you you look at reliable witnesses like Charlotte Moberly and her colleague Eleanor Jordan, who were university professors, you know, very reliable witnesses. And they were so sure that of what they'd seen, they went back looking for it again. You have the naval cadets in Kersey in 1957 that, you know, they all three of them stuck to their story to their dying day. 
you have three men in a truck in Oklahoma in 1971 that claim they saw a building that no longer exists, and they stuck to this story. And they stick to their story long enough, and then somebody investigates it, a journalist or, a, you know, a researcher, and they think, well, you know, this, this, there's a story of Rudolph Fentz in New York in 1950. You know, he, he suddenly shows up in a top hat and a, a very old-looking suit with a lamb chop um, sideburns and, 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 and handlebar mustache, and he's frightened by the cars like he's never seen them before, and he gets hit and he dies, and there's no report of such a missing person. This strange man had strange coins in his pocket that no one had ever seen. He f- they found an ancient livery, livery bill from a stable in Philadelphia. They found business cards of a Dr. Rudolph Fence. Later on, they found the, the widow of Rudolph Fence Jr., who said, oh, yes, my husband often told the story of her, of his father who went out for a stroll one night and never came back. Strange stories. Remarkable, remarkable. All right, we'll take another quick time out. We'll come back, Vaughn, and uh, we'll talk about some possible explanations uh, for time shifts, black holes, energy vortices, raised consciousness, our human ability to go outside ordinary space-time, astral travel, and more. Vaughn Braskler, my guest, as we talk time slips on The Conspiracy Show. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. So in talking about the nature of time and reality, you quote people like uh, the great late American author Carlos Castaneda who wrote the teachings of Don Juan and about his journey in, into uh, shamanism. You, you, you quote Helena Blavatsky, the Russian philosopher and the founder of the Theosophical Society. You quote... Albert Einstein. Um, after all this research, do you do you think you understand what and based on what they've said, what time is and what the nature of reality is that might allow for time slips? Well, I think I'm beginning to to see a, a pattern. Let's say, um, I think I think what it is is um, that our our consciousness is fixed on one space and time. All time in all space coexists equally at the same time. In other words, there's only one timeline, but, but, it's, but it's all coexisting. So in other words, the past and the future are existing in, a, in, in, its own, in their own sense of now. So yes, um, like the time machine, you know, you, you go in the future, you go into the past, I mean, but you couldn't do it in a machine. But you have to do it. You'd have to. You'd have to walk through it. You know, it's like um, it's it's a it's a shift in your consciousness because our consciousness is only fixed on this specific time and place where you are, which um, is often called the now plane. It's it, it's it's where light strikes you, and it all depends on where light strikes you. I mean, strangely enough, you know, if you look at Einstein. It, it is it is it is your now time, so we experience time different based on when light strikes us, but it, it also is the way we 
we process the light. My last book was called Moving in the Light, and a great mystic from India told me that you could move in the light. And I totally get that, but I don't know if I, I can verbalize it. Like I think I said at the back of this book, I'm sorry, but, but the words just don't quite convey it. You have to experience it. I think that I think that you can actually move energetically in a consciousness body. And I'm not talking about astral projection, but you can move in a consciousness body if you can re- if you can refocus your consciousness. So all these realities are really operating simultaneously in a, in in your listeners have probably heard of the multi-universe. Uh, yes. You know, there, there are universes and realities that are coexisting. But we're fixed where we are. Think of a map. Now, if you take a map and you fold it and you fold it and you fold it, and it's like you can't see what's on the other side, but it's just like a, a paper-thin difference between what you're looking at and the other side. It's, it's the way the light bends, you see. We're just around the, the folds, the folds in space, you know, and, and, but, but, but as, you know, you, you can actually walk beyond there. You can take a, a step outside there. And we do this with our mind. These are all adventures of the mind, you know, and then you say, well, they were actually there. Yes, they were. I mean, they took their energy bodies with them. They took their etheric body with them. They took their emotional body. They took their astral body. They took their mental body. They took their causal body. They took their buddhic body. They took their, their, their very soul with them. You know, the spirit within us is really light or energy. And, and it's just encased in this thing we call a physical body. Well, you can leave the physical body right here and go somewhere else. So what happens all the time to people that are just very quiet, very still, and they just go through a consciousness shift, and boom, they're somewhere else. Because they've lost their fixation on this specific time and place. So you have some exercises in the book Time Slips and and, uh, how to achieve this. So are you now at a stage, Vaughn, where you can do this at will? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. The the exercises that I do... I often do them in groups, and I get people to go forward or backward in time, and and they have to get into a meditative state, and if they and and they go into a deep, active meditative state. And I'm not talking about just feeling happy or blissful, or I'm not talking about just being you know uh, reflective. I mean, these are really, really deep, deep meditative states. But in and you go into the state with the conscious intent to program yourself where you want to go. And I have them uh, cease all words and thoughts going through their mind. If you have thoughts and words going through your mind, you're not meditating deeply enough for this. I mean, you have to get to a point where you see nothing but black or just a blank slate. And on that slate, you draw or sketch where you want to go and what you want to see. It can be a crude drawing. It can be a crude... Uh, uh, just a, a stick figure, if you like. doesn't matter. It's your personal map where you want to go. And it, if I can get people to do this, and I've done it several times in workshops, people can actually experience past and future. Now, you say, well, are they just remembering 
their own past, their own future. No, no, I mean, they're really going somewhere. They're actually seeing things, you know. And um, the thing about, you know, people that, that go into the future, you know, isn't it strange how very often their glimpses into the future come, come, comes true, you know. It proves to be realistic. You know, and right. People have prescient dreams. Uh, well, we're, we're up yeah. a, against a break here. This is a short segment, but I'll, uh, when we come back, I'll ask yep. you, you know, when do we know that a dream is more than a dream? Perhaps it was a time slip into the future. We'll also work in a few calls and take some questions from our uh, YouTube live chat. Vaughn Brassler stays with us, the author of Time Slips, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Back with more in a moment. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Von Brashler is here, the author of Time Slips, and we were talking about prescient dreams and, and whether they may be more than just dreams. And uh, Chad in the YouTube live chat asks, is exactly this, is thinking about the future and then it manifests exactly as you thought considered a time slip? Well... I mean, I do have a book coming out later in the year that'll be on, on, on creative visualization, and I think that's more a case of cre- creative visualization. They're certainly linked. I mean, dreams are linked. It's all linked. It's all consciousness. It's, it's all putting your thoughts into, into, into motion, in directing your thoughts, focusing your thoughts with intent and focus, and then projecting them accurately. Uh, and then seeing, and then seeing it come true, and then changing our reality. I don't know if that answers the question. Richard, was that the question? I, that was the question. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, it, when do we, if we have a dream, and we, we, um, in the dream, we travel somewhere. Uh, maybe we travel. It seems like we're in the past, or or we're in the future. How do we know? Yep. whether or not that it was just a dream or whether we were, in fact, involved in a time slip. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, bo- uh, both are true. <laughs> both are true. Okay, how's that for an uh, easy answer? <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think that you, you can program your dreams for time travel, and, 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 and you, you can program your dreams just as you would program a deep, active, out-of-body meditation. And in other words, we're talking now about lucid dreams or vivid dreams that are very clear, very real, and where you very, you're very sure uh, there's a lot of focus and intent involved, and then you're very sure that, it, that, that you're going somewhere. And actually, in other words, this, these are not just memories of your sleepy, your restless mind playing over and over and over, or thoughts about, concerns about things being played played over and over and over in your restless brain as you try to sleep. This is actually your spirit getting outside and 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 um, and traveling somewhere. You know, it is an exercise of of human consciousness leaving the body. Human consciousness leaves the body all the time. This is how we send ESP thoughts to people. This is how we, we know when the phone's going to ring. This is how we feel attached to our loved ones miles and miles away. You know, you know we can send instantaneous uh, communication to people telepathically. Everybody does this. They just, very few talk about it. But those you who have, are close you have, to you. 
Sorry, I was just going to say you have exercises in the book as well for uh, yep. lucid dreaming and how we can basically program our dreams to yep. uh, time travel. Ex- 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 extremely right. Now, you can program your dreams to take you where you want to go. You know, that, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the whole key. So in other words, you, 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 you use a, fo- a focused program, self, self-directed program dream, with intent and focus, uh, and this can also be a waking dream. Doesn't have to be. You can program yourself when you go to sleep. You can lie on the sofa, or you can you can sit in a chair and have a waking dream. You know, and and this and the, and the effect is the same as a deep meditation, where you travel in 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 uh, in conscious time travel. So yeah, right. we can travel. We travel in our dreams, and what you want to do is when you get there. <laughs> when you get there, you look at your hands, and if you can, this is a trick. You look at your hands, if you can see your hands, and then you look around, and then, you know, if, if it all seems very real, if you can actually, you know, like, if you feel like you're really there. And if you come back and you have very clear memories of what you've seen. So what you want to do is meditate in a, in a reflective, lighter meditation of what you've seen. Just kind of let it sift through. Don't think too hard. And then afterwards, you can get up and write it in a dream dictionary, a dream journal. Try to make right. sense of it. All right, let's go to the phone. Skip is checking in from Connecticut. Hey, Skip, welcome. Hi, Skip. Yeah, hi, Vaughn. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I know I like Jumper and the old time travel re, uh, things you can get online, but my question would be, at a given point in reality, uh, can people or a group or individuals pull people in in terms of tra- time travel? That would be, are they, or could they push someone out or push themselves out in terms of time travel? So either pull Pulling someone in from someplace else, or pushing someone out to someplace else. Well, Skip, I Good would question. tend to say no. I would tend to say no because uh, you you have all the control you know, to enter it. You 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 have to focus your your altered consciousness and get into a deep, higher state of consciousness with focus and intent and a plan. If you're going to go on a trip, you need a plan, right? So if you're going to leave like this in a lucid dream or if you're going to actually set up time travel through a meditation you need a pl- uh, travel plan and, and it should be focused what you where you want to go what you want to see you know who you expect to see there you know and then you, you go and you look for it you know but as far as people pulling you in or you pulling people in or pushing you out now however you can also do you can do this you can enter into these states as a group, you know, there can be group meditations. You can do group dreaming. You can do, you can do tandem dreaming. You can dream. You can have a dream partner, and the two of you could actually go somewhere. Um, you, can, you could go back to the uh, Palace of Versailles, and you know, if you wanted, and watch Marie Antoinette painting. I mean, you could. You could do that if that's what you really wanted to do. All right, Skip. Thank you for that. Uh, it reminds me you're talking about you know planning your 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 trip. Maybe in the future we'll have time travel agents, or maybe we already do. You're a time travel agent. That's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to. Uh, I want to go back to the YouTube live chat 
And um, Solar Warden has uh, checked in with a great question. And um, you, you're probably familiar with David Politis, Politis who uh, is on Coast to Coast AM with his Missing 411 books. And um, Solar is, asked, is wondering whether these time slips may be a possible explanation for some of the missing 411 phenomenon. If you're not familiar with Politis, he writes about all of these clusters of individuals who disappear without a trace uh, from national parks. Sometimes they reappear in, in another yeah. location. Um, do you think time slips may be at work here? Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I, and, I don't, and I don't know the answer. But it, 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 it doesn't seem to me, based on the people I've interviewed or what I've studied or what I've experienced, that time shifts work that way. It's, it's all self-directed. It's all very personal. And people can't just take you and take away your time like that. You can't steal someone's time. You know, I mean, people can be very disoriented, um, and then and then they have no sense of time. Um, but as far as a time shift, I'm going to have to say... Now, I've had this discussion for years with Whitney Strieber. I've been on his show, and he, he always says, you know, this explains the alien abductions there's always a time gap you know it's like you can't explain where right. you were where were you and i said well um you know maybe i mean maybe this explains a lot of things you know i i don't know i mean but but i would but I you're not I being taken as you there. say because no. because your physical body remains in the now yeah. uh but it's your it could be your astral body your soul body that is what goes into the past or the future but your physical yeah. body no one's going to miss you right you're still there yeah 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 so so when they totally physically disappear that's different now if the aliens come and 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 they, and they take your consciousness with you um i don't know how they do that and they left you there that would be a whole different thing i don't really know how to answer these questions there may be some relationships to time slips and abductions. Um, but it, it seems to me that, that we can self-direct uh, and, and program our own uh, purposeful time, time travel. Uh, we're just about out of time, but I want to work in this question. It's a good one. Uh, GBGN1, wonderful handles in my YouTube live chat. GBGN1 yeah. asks whether what you're talking about is somehow related to another one of my favorite topics. That's the Mandela effect, where people remember something, groups of people, many people remember something one way, but then it seems to have changed, like the spelling of Oscar Mayer Wiener or the Behringer Bears, or they thought that. Uh, when Nelson Mandela uh, actually, you know, died and there was a funeral, they remember him having died years before. Is our yeah. t- time slips related to the Mandela effect? Well, I, I think this, uh, I, I hope this answers the question. I think that a lot of people, they when they go into what we would call a time slip, keep in mind that they're not only traveling in time, but they're traveling in space to a place it seems n- not their no- ordinary, normal reality. And, and, I, and we go to common spaces together, and we have people that we meet there routinely. And I, I know people on other planes that I don't know in the here and now, but I know them very well. Sometimes I run into them on the, in the here and now, <laughs> if I can say here and now. But, but 
you know, I mean, we meet on another another place on the timeline in another space time, and I think that's what happens is you have groups of travelers that gather, and they have their own new reality. It's a group consensus reality. It forms their own cultural um, thought forms. Well, speaking of time, we are out of it. Uh, Time shifts, experiences of slipping into the past and future, available at Amazon and uh, wherever good books are sold. Vaughn, great meeting you, and we'll do this again. Thank you. Thank you. All right, back next week, Terry James talking Antichrist. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.